You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Have a good day. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. It is the year 2017, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives each week to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring her the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Well, folks, it happened. I had my Kevin Spacey moment. You know an American beauty when when he's finally got that hot-ass cheerleader on the couch and she exposes her milky white breasts and he suddenly has a moment of clarity and realizes she's actually just a child and then offers her a blanket, etc.? Well, when I peered through that sliding glass door and saw Maddie getting absolutely finger-blasted by that jock with the fade haircut and the fracture boot, I thought to myself, Narrator! Narrator, what are you doing? This is just a kid, a child! Let her climb trees, play hopscotch, skin her knees, and get vaginally violated by boys her own age! Man, it was a real wake-up call, you know? Anywho, I'm just glad I came to my senses before any real harm was done. <laughs> now, on to the thrilling conclusion of The Buffoon. The Buffoon is brought to you by your need to constantly be distracted. Wouldn't it be better for you to spend this time dealing with that tiny ache in your soul that knows what you're doing right now isn't enough? Isn't quite right? That consuming mass media is really just a way to avoid life, avoid people, avoid connecting to something deeper, something spiritual? That superhero movies and quasi-satirical fake smart audio drama podcasts are really just thoughtless ways to prolong your already overextended childhood into infinity? There's no punchline here. Just sit with that for a moment. Okay, now if you're hearing this, then you've chosen to simply let your head slip back under the waters of ignorance, so sit back and enjoy the thrilling conclusion of The Buffoon!
Okay, let's wrap this baby up. Episode 3, go. No more distractions. We're gonna do it, yeah. Whew, I love finales. The anticipation, the suspense, the meeting of your ever-demanding need to have every question answered and every loose end neatly tied up in a beautiful little bow, followed by the most delightful satisfaction of knowing that the commitment you put in as a listener, the emotional investment you made to not only follow this story, but to also become part of this story, was well placed. To know these characters as you know your own friends your family, yourself, and for all of them to reach with one symbiotic hand beyond that great barrier of time and space and touch your heart and whisper to your soul, we heard you and we thank you. Are you listening, Damon Lindelof? You f***ing weasel! No one gives a shit about your deeper meaning, okay? Not when you end a show that's entire fan base is centered on asking f***ing questions and you don't get to say well we never intended on answering those questions go f yourself you hear me and your 500 million dollars i hope you spend it all on tootsie rolls and lollipops until you wind up broke living in a ditch filled with burnt copies of the leftovers and lost you f***ing gobbling hack and don't think you're getting away with anything david chase with your f***ing cut to black bullshit eight years Eight f***ing years and then you throw some shitty ass metaphorical symbolism bullshit at us that you need a f***ing film degree to figure out? F*** you. So listen up, dipshits. This is how you do it. Did I just set the bar a little too high? Yes. No. There, f*** it. We got this. We're starting in Leduc's chambers. Go. Leduc! Leduc! What? What is this nonsense? We have word of buffoon there. You no like what we hear. What? What is it? Speak, man, speak. Brother, yours. He seems to be, how do you say, part of buffoon group to be performing in coming day. Why are you talking like Yoda? Well, I speak with a French accent, but uh, all use English language. It is odd, no? Why use accent of one nation, but language of the other? Um, I think it's just so, uh... No, no, I, I understand why. I do get it. Just seems odd, no? And no, where does the text support this? So I try to justify... Oh, just f***ing actors. My love, did you hear this? It is my dream. Nay, my nightmare. It is coming to fruition. You never mentioned my brother. I told you all the time that I saw coming. The heart that buffoon they will bring. Does this not sound like your brother? You remember what happened. You remember what we did. That is enough. I will not hear of this anymore. I told you that they will commence as scheduled and so it shall. My brother is exiled and he shall stay exiled. You fool. You endanger us all. As Emily turned away from her husband and began to walk from their room, Le Duc rushed up behind her, grabbed her arm, and spun her towards him. They stood in the center of their darkening room, chest to chest, feeling one another's breath upon their face. My sweet wife, put you in danger? I would rather cut out my own eye and slash my tongue. I would never let one hair on your head fall in arm's way. Cancelling before they will send the villagers into madness. 
they would storm the castle and kill us all. That is the danger I am avoiding. My brother, wherever he may be, is have no threat to you. My love, I promise to keep you safe, now and always. Ah, Emily. Finally, with their faces flush with the heat of their coursing blood, they embraced in a passionate kiss, their tongues swirling into one another's mouths until the beginning of one and the end of the other was imperceptible. In that moment, they were not man or woman. They were not husband or wife. They were simply one. One body. One soul. One being. Then they f***ed! Hey, morning. Gonna be weather today. Probably. Done by noon, I reckon. Hey, mm. mm. You guys doing anything for Buffoon Day? Buffoon Day? When is that? Why, today. Holy shit, it's today! Fuck yes! Oh shit, fuck yes shit, it's fucking Buffoon Day! Let's get ripped! Okay, cool. Glad I said something. <laughs> Good morning, Yugasham! This is LMB in the morning, and we're coming at you live from the front gate for what's sure to be Hellfire sort of day. Barb, here we are at the 8th Annual Buffoon Day, and I think I'm not alone when I say, just on time. Lou, you know I hate agreeing with you, but this time you're spot on. I was just telling my lady friends at the spa earlier this week that I was really itching for grabbing the hubby's favorite pitchfork, storming the castle, and ripping that Reduc's throat right out of his godforsaken neck. But here we are, finally, on the day that satiates the bloodlust and suppresses the river of rage for another year. <laughs> Thank goodness, Barb. Thank goodness. Though I do think seeing you trying to run with a pitchfork would be a sight to see. Oh, Lou, you old dog. Let's go down to our man on the scene, Bulldog Billy. Bulldog, what can you tell us so far? Well, Lou, we just saw last year's third place finishers, the Hornet Center, and it looks like they're feeling confident and ready. The crowd went wild for fan favorite Moxie Monroe, who, if you'll remember from two years ago, narrowly escaped being disemboweled when a goat used in the act mistook him for a bowl of grain. Still not sure how that happened, but after taking a year off, he returns now, eager to please that crowd who missed him so much. Oh, I remember that goat. What a nasty little sight that was. <laughs> Indeed. Not every day you see that. Not in these parts, no. And now entering is a new group. Haven't seen the likes of these folks before. Seems to be a trio of some sort. Let me see if I can get them to stop for a quick interview. Excuse me, over here. Over here. L&B in the morning show. How are you today? Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? We make jokes. Fire. Yeah, fire jokes. Okay. And your names? I'm, uh, I'm Pierre. And this is Florian and Dorian. I meant, uh, your group name. Uh, group name? Shit, we're supposed to have a group name? Oh, no. That son of a bitch didn't say anything about a group name. Who would that be? Ugh, nobody. Come on, guys, let's go. Well, there you have it, Lou and Barb. No group name is walking the line now, and with no announcement made for their arrival, the crowd is not pleased. Lots of dung is being thrown at them. Lots of it. Those three men are being covered in dung right now. Just awful. Just awful. Back to you, Barb. Well, uh, 
Is that what you get, right, Lou? Absolutely, Barb. That is indeed what you f***ing get. <clears throat> well, let's tune in to see what these fellas have to offer. And so, our merryless band of misfits took the stage. Pierre stepped forward, waited as the anxious chatter came to a slow whisper, and finally died in a calm hush. Silence filled the arena. I am Leduc. I am ugly. And fat. And ugly. You already said that! Um, uh, I didn't expect... So many, uh... People! Stick to script. Right. Um, I am Leduc. I am ruler of all that you see. But I am nothing without Emily. I see you there, all covered in hair, my bully man about town, always walking with a frown. My sweet angel, I could do no better, though beauty makes me sweater. Oh, Leduc, don't you yet know I married your money, so all of it I can blow. My love, I don't think I am able to continue. A terrible chill has overcome. Forgive me, but I must retire to our chambers. Very well, my love, but please keep a watchful eye. You know who could be anywhere. (coughs) Uh, After what seemed to be far too long, our performers moved on to the climax. Mama, Papa, so good to see you here. Take a look, won't you, at this neat little spear. Mastain, whatever are you doing? Do not you fear this large crowd's booing? Aye, that's right, my little lad. Kill us now and the crowd gets sad. If your point is to rule, don't kill us, just stay in school. Oh god, who wrote this crap? Oh, you silly, foolish daddy. Not when I tell them all the killer is Henri. Enough! This is intolerable. I mean, really dreadful, right? We don't want these guys continuing. Shut the hell up! Yeah, sit down and shut up. This is all we have. I mean, sure, it's not very good, but these guys are doing the best they can. I bet they have a lot going on personally, but they're still really dedicated to this show. And so they're just doing what they can to keep it going. I mean, who can't relate to that, right? Absolutely. Like, I bet they have families and probably other responsibilities like work. But there they are, just doing what they can. Is it perfect? Not even close. Is it mildly entertaining? Sure, at parts, every now and then. And isn't that enough? I think so. Me too. Yeah, but... uh... Monsieur, don't. If you protest too much, the villagers will become suspicious. Your objections will only give these performers the validity they are seeking. Die, daddy. Die, mommy. They're really liking the violence. Right. Time for the big finish. Our trio of bloody bouffants quickly bowed and ran off to the wings. In seconds, Florian and Dorian returned, pushing an enormous guillotine to center stage. Then, from behind the crowd, came Pierre, who was playing Le Duc, remember? I mean, it's not that hard to follow. Keep up. Pushing the real Henri, bound at the wrists, in front of him. Oh me! I have been falsely accused. I go to my death wronged and humiliated. There! There he is! I arrest him at once! Shh! 
keep your voice down. That's just what he wants. Also accompanying Henri was a mysterious figure cloaked entirely in black, an executioner, stumbling drunkenly, being supported by Pierre. Oops. It would appear that my own executioner is incompetent, just like my brother, the Dance Le Duc. The crowd laughed heartily and whooped and cheered for Henry. Mon Dieu, he's completely won them over. All the more reason not to interfere. Henri climbed the platform and placed his head in the notch of the guillotine. Any last words? I should only like to say to you, my brother, that I love you and forgive you. You know not what you do. And now, executioner, you may pull the rope. The executioner gave a muffled response. A a sort of insistent, muddled mumbling. What is the executioner saying? I don't know, my lord. There is something off about him. Pierre gave the unsteady executioner a shove, and his hands flailed wildly, finally finding purchase on the rope. The executioner pulled down hard and was instantly flung into the air. Henri, too, was pulled up and out of the guillotine by his wrists. The two figures flipped and careened through the air for a few crowd-dazzling seconds, then landed gracefully in their original positions. But opposite, the executioner was in the notch, and Henri held the rope. It was a trick guillotine. The crowd went f***ing insane. The clowns took a bow. Enough, enough, I don't care what you say, the performance is over, Buffon day is over, guards, arrest him, arrest them all. The guards swarmed toward the stage, Henri darted back to the guillotine, where the bumbling executioner's head was still on the notch. Hold it right there, brother. If your guards take another step, I'll pull this lever, and this time there will be no trick, the blade will come swiftly and do its business. And why would I care about you executing one of your clowns? Because she's not my clown. She's your clown. Henri ripped off the executioner's hood. Underneath was a beautiful woman's face painted grotesquely with the makeup of a happy clown. Amelie! The crowd was shocked. Their beloved Duchess Emily? They began to boo Henri. The gagged lady clown gave a muffled scream. Fear not, Mademoiselle Clown. Your hero is right over there. Brother, Le Duc, I have no wish to harm this pretty little clown. Come and take her place and she'll be free. At once. Do not be afraid, Emily. I am coming. Hold it, you fool. It's a trap. Out of my way. His eyes, stinging with tears of rage and fear, Le Duc stumbled blindly through the crowd, who shouted encouragement at him and gave him a wide berth. Are you sure about this uneasy crowd? Quiet! This is the moment. So, brother, villagers, friends, clowns, how about some jokes as this buffoon makes his way to the stage? Did you hear the one about the mother who favored her older son over the younger? How she wouldn't feed him? How the father knew about it but was too weak to say anything? How the little brother picked up an axe one day and chopped them both to bits? How he hid the weapon and would have got away with it if not for his ugly older brother. Stop me if you've heard that one. Shut up, Henri. What, you've heard it? I don't think you know the punchline. You see, the younger brother wasn't found out for years. In the meantime, he had plenty of opportunities to get revenge on his well-fed older brother. Oops, but wait, I almost gave away your line, Mademoiselle Clown. Henri ripped the gag out of Emily's mouth. Tell him. Tell him the punchline. 
I can't. Tell him or I pull the lever. No. What is it, Emily? For God's sake, tell me before he kills you. Listen to him. Listen to your ugly husband. I... Yes? I have been unfaithful to you. What? (gasps) Shocking. But not really very funny. I think you're missing the key bit. Try again. Let's see if it gets a bigger laugh this time. I have been unfaithful to you. With Henry. Uh, Yes, yes. There it is. Brilliant. Now that's comedy. You whore. The Duke began climbing onto the stage. But wait, wait. I put a stop to it. I did. I stopped when I realized I loved you. In spite of your ugliness. You are kind and honorable. I grew to love you and hate Henry for what he had made me do. Your words are nothing to me. I'll not listen to the excuses of a whore. The Duke shoved Henri aside and grabbed the rope himself. Wait, wait! There is one more thing, something you must know. The Duke pulled the rope. I am a child! Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what did she say? A child? She was having my child? No, my child. She was talking to me. Um, hey guys, maybe you could have this discussion later. The crowd is like menacingly advancing on us right now, so... Indeed they were. The crowd, incensed at the murder of their beloved Duchess, descended on the stage, their faces silent and grim and determined. Hey, lighten up, everyone! Stay back. I am your duke. Let's turn those frowns upside down, shall we? Back. Back, I say. Guards! Oh, I know. I've got a good one for you. Help. Guards. Monsieur Talon. Anyone. Stop me if you've heard this one. No, no. Back. Stay back. What did God say when the clown asked him the meaning of life? Back. Back. He said, you're all clowns. 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 You're all. Clowns. And so the villagers tore them all to shreds as the younger brother's punchline rang out over the hills in an endless refrain. Take that, and that, and that! Ta da! The end! <laughs> Where'd he go? Where is he? Did he like it? 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 That's it, folks. It seems we've completed another successful season, and Maddie? Maddie? Maddie, what are you doing here? Hi, narrator. What is this? Why are you here? I missed you. 
Okay. Uh, I think... I think maybe I like you. L like... Like, like? Yeah, like, definitely like, like, like. But... But what about what's-his-name? You know, the kid with the boot? Uh, Jackson? He was too immature for me. Oh, look, Maddie, I, I, I gotta be honest. I, I don't see you that way. At least not anymore. What brought this on? I don't know. It's weird. It's like ever since my dad left, I've really been into older guys. Isn't that weird? Um... Anyway, when I saw you outside my basement sliding glass store, I had this moment where I was like, wait, is that my dad? No, it's just narrator. And then I got super turned on. Oh, come on, universe! This isn't how this is supposed to happen. I already had my Kevin Spacey-esque moment of clarity. You don't have to rub it in. Look, look, here's how it's supposed to go down. I'm supposed to have this awakening where I realize Maddie's innocent, and simultaneously she realizes she's just trying to fill a need for acceptance and paternal love with her sluttiness. And then I gave her a blanket, and now that I'm a redeemed hero, go look at photos of my family at the kitchen table while she sips tea on the couch. Then, as long as no repressed, unstable, sexually confused middle-aged man sneaks up behind me with a gun, then it's a happy end. I told you to stay away from her! Uncle Announcer, no! I'd always heard your entire life flashes in front of your eyes the second before you die. First of all, that one second isn't a second at all. It stretches on forever, like an ocean of time. For me, it was devouring calf's foot jelly at Pastor Ozias's Pinewood Derby race and 17-hour shifts at my childhood rat poison factory. Or my grandmother's hands, and the way her skin seemed like paper. Paper you could draw on, as I often did, with a sharpie. Pictures of penises. Lots of penises. And the first time I saw my cousin Tony's brand new mannequin storage facility. And mentor. And Uncle Neville and then Sarah. And Doug. And Courtney. I guess I could be pretty pissed off about what happened to me, but it's hard to stay mad when there's so much beauty in the world. Sometimes I feel like I'm seeing it all at once, and it's too much. My heart fills up like a balloon that's about to burst. And then I remember to relax, and stop trying to hold on to it, and then it flows through me like rain. And I can't feel anything but gratitude for every single moment of my stupid little life. You have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm sure. But don't worry. You will someday. When you die. Is... Is what I'm saying. You know, then you'll have an idea what I'm talking about at death. Your death, okay? Okay. The Buffoon is brought to you by this dope-ass freestyle. Uh-huh. Yes! Yes, turn it up! Turn it up, I need to hear it at... T Courtney! Courtney, I need to hear it in my headphones! Courtney, turn it up a little bit! Uh-huh! Yes! Na-na! Na-na! 
Yo, yo. Announcing, bouncing, prepping for a pouncing. With announcer, your ass will take a trouncing. Just busting out promos with my standard American. Lusting for vengeance, staring at Denise's Larrigan. Live the wife I once had. Is that you, Super Steve? It's creep through their pad. Looking while they're sleeping, I'm a stalker, a talker, an undead walker. Put you in my freezer or at the Y in my locker. I love you, Denise. I never want to lose you, so I'll pull out your teeth while Brendan and I watch Blue's Clues. Thought I was done? I'm just getting started. Smell of your corpse, make the neighbors be like, who farted? I kidnapped Stephen and forced him to marry me, then commit Harry Carey with a tiara while preparing D. You didn't leave me, bitch. I left reality. Your H.E. stand the result of my time in Mexico City. You think you got the wrong tree? Best believe it. Try barking up me if you want to see me relieve it. That's my bladder gonna splatter all over your mother's platter. The wedding gift, you know, the silver one we had to flatter and pretend we like. Even though it wasn't our taste, I bet Steven loves it. So I'ma place his face at the base and trace his face with this medieval mace and splatter blood all over the place and also ruin that ugly face that lays at the place where we first said grace with Brendan and I felt I knew my place was blessed with grace but I guess that feeling was fake as the mannequin placed with haste under your bed that stripped at the waist and braced and placed by a stake made from the pointy end of a rake through the chest and it has your face. <laughs> Word up. Yeah. Let it run, Courtney. Just let it run. Oh, announcer. Narrator. Courtney. Rude alchemy. Writers. Ah. Oh. Bruff Taxwin. Carver Cranebottom. 2017 Um Other names With which I am affiliated Um uh, August 2017 Um Na 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 Um Let's see uh The, the Dervish of Dervidge Announcer Announcer. Yeah. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. The Buffoon Story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Wertner as lead story editor. This episode written by Mr. Hodgkin and Mr. Wertner and edited by special guest Mr. Michael Hahn. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes to support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content, including blooper reels from every season. Visit rudealchemy.com slash support. And finally, his shirt, his dress shirt. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen, the demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, bring you Twisted Pulp Magazine, a journey beyond surreality. 
to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com.